you have your Bibles tonight, I invite you to turn with us to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, uh, as we continue our look at the um, Beatitudes, happy or the meek, not the weak. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You may be seated. I mean, do I have to tell you every move to make? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's just a housekeeping time. That's like when I say, I invite you to the altar. People go to look at one another. Well, I ain't going if she ain't going. He ain't going, I ain't going. The place ought to be packed down here, okay? The young lady came to the altar this morning during the invitation. I thought nobody was going to come join her. Hello? What if I told you, if a female comes, be there by the time they get there. If they're headed to the altar, now they may be going to the bathroom. You be... <laughs> make, sure, make sure they are headed to the altar, all right? And if it's a male, then hey, jump in there. You say, I don't know what to say. Just go down there and put your arm around them. You don't have to say nothing. And you know automatically when we announce the scripture, you know it's coming. I don't know where Gary was. Usually he stands up before it's even announced. He's raring to go. And, uh, well, I love you, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, probably not. <laughs> Rehearsal will be next Sunday morning at 1035. Or 40, whatever comes. All right, looking at the Beatitudes, all right? As we think about it, we have looked at blessed are the poor in spirit. What is that? Spiritually bankrupt. Hey, I'm broke. I'm depending on God. Okay? The second one, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Sins forgiven. It's over. It's done with. And then tonight, blessed are, what does it say? The meek. And it tells us we shall inherit the earth. Jesus called for a standard of living. A standard. Okay? A standard. That's why I don't like to, I don't want to say, this is what you need to do next, this is what you need to do next, because we done been here long enough, you know what to do next, okay? You know what's coming when it comes to prayer time, when it comes to reading God's holy word. You know, I don't want you to stand for me, but to stand in honor and reverence of God and um, his holy word. Now, the disciples, that's what it says here. And seeing the multitudes, he went up to a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came unto him. And so, they knew to follow him. Because he'd already, the first invitation they received of him was, come, follow me. In other words, he didn't have to say it every time he was going somewhere, unless it was specific, like, hey, you all get in the boat, I'll meet you on the other side. He didn't say, amidst this trip over, there's going to be a storm. No, he didn't say that. He said, get in the boat, go to the other side, and I will meet you there. Okay? It was, uh, hey, 
that's the way it was. Um, they knew it was about spiritual matters. Some people are so proud and so self-sufficient, they don't need God. They don't need the Lord. They do their own thing like they want to do it when they want to do it. Well, preacher, I, when I get well, I will be at church. They never did get well. They died unhealed because they never came. Now, these old boys, hey, they were good followers. They, they practiced Along with Jesus, they practiced probably their religion, how they were raised. You know, sometimes we are, I don't want to say down on people, but sometimes we look at different denominations differently. Hey, what are you? I say, I am Southern Baptist. Well, first of all, I'm a Christian, and I am a Southern Baptist, okay? Don't be ashamed of it. Now, if a person says, well, I'm a Christian... And I'm church of God. Well, praise the Lord. Belong to some gospel preaching, teaching outfit. Now, when we think about these guys, um, you know good and well they had, they had muscular strength. We know that they probably had some spiritual strength. We, knew, we know that they had wisdom. We know that they had resources uh, that they could depend on. Um, and some of those people who were going along, they thought, hey, here's the Messiah. And they would say, hey, he's coming to tell us what a great job we've been doing. And they expected Jesus to say, hey, I just commend you on your spirituality. I mean, y'all have really done good. In fact, my father said, tell you, thank you. Nope, that ain't what he come, that ain't what he said. The Lord's first word did not fit their audience. Okay, meekness is different from a broken spirit. Brokenness of the spirit focuses on our sinfulness, okay? Being part broken over our sinfulness. I wished I could go back and undo the wrong. <clears throat> I can't. So I must, I, I must ask God to forgive me, and then I need to forgive myself. But the devil is always there, reminds us of our past. And if we allow it to long enough, it will haunt us to the point we're no good to the kingdom of God. So we need to ask God to forgive us and forgive, us, uh, forgive ourselves. Meekness, on the other hand, is a positive thing. Uh, in seeking righteousness. Um, our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. But the righteousness of God is living right, talking right, acting right. Okay? So, we shouldn't have to tell adult Christians how to act, how to speak, and what to do, what not to do. Okay? Unless they haven't been raised up and taught in the way. Meekness is, is power under control. And I'll... I'll Speak to that in a little later. But happy are the meek. The standard has been set. In Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, Cassie's going to put that up for us. Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, if you're writing, Paul said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, he said, I beseech you, I beg you that you should walk worthy of the vocation to which ye are 
called with all lowliness and meekness and holiness and love. And on on and on he goes uh, with that. Uh, It's amazing how sometimes we overlook these things. Forbearing one another in love. Lifting up one another uh, in love. Titus chapter 3 verse 2. Uh, He says, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And Colossians 3, 12 says, put on therefore as the elect of God, chosen by God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. That's what he says that we're to do. If we're the people of God, if we represent the kingdom of God, this is what he's asking us uh, to do in Ephesians and Titus and Colossians. So, as we think about happy are the meek, first question is, what is meekness? What, what is meekness to us? Um, since, since the only people... Uh, who are happy are those who are meek, according to Scripture. We need to know what meekness is and how it affects our joy in the Lord. Now, hey, we can't always be happy. We're human nature, okay? We're not always happy. When things aren't going well, family members sick, sudden death, house fires, faith, all that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't make us happy, okay, outwardly. But inwardly, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be happy that we have a God that loves us and who said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to save you. I'm going to take care of you. So what is meekness? First of all, it's gentleness. A meek person is gentle, according to Scripture, tenderhearted. He's patient and he's submissive. Now, I'm not always gentle. I'm not always tenderhearted. And God knows and Lynn knows I'm not always patient. And uh, I'm not always submissive. Uh, and all of this is to the Lord, not to our mate, but to the Lord. Patience, waiting on God. They that wait on the Lord shall do what? Hello? Okay. Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They're going to run. They ain't going to get tarred. They're going to stand tall and they're not going to faint. Meekness is not only gentleness, but it's power under control. Let's, let's think about a tool, okay? A power tool. Uh, I don't see how people a hundred years ago or more built a house without a skill saw. They did it with a handsaw and an axe. How long would it take us today to build a house without power tools? Oh, they, they're good in their place, but you let one get out of control and you and I can be and will be hurt. So we think about meekness is power under control. It's a byproduct of being humble before God. Many places in the Bible you'll find that uh, men in the Bible 
would lay face down, prostrate, prostrate, stretched out in humbleness before the Lord. Um, the publican and the sinner, remember? He said, I, I'm, glad I'm, not like, I'm not, glad I'm not like that guy. I'm glad I go to church. I'm glad I give. I'm glad I'm not like him. And what did he say? He bowed his head. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Brokenness. But God blessed and renewed his spiritual bankruptcy. Okay? Now, it is the taming of a lion, not a killing of a lion. Okay? Uh, let's take two horses. Okay? You got one horse that's raised in the wilderness. He's never had a bridle on him. He's free. Verses 1, who is caged, pastured, used to wearing a bridle, used to wearing a saddle. You, you saddled him up. If everything's okay, you can get on him and comfortably ride. But get the one who's been raised out in the wilderness and try to put a bridle on him. And if you get it on, try to put a saddle on. And if you get it on, try to mount him and stay on him. Power under control is meekness. God gives us those abilities and he wants us to allow him to control those things. Ephesians 4, uh, 26. Did I put, have that in there, Cassie? Okay, look at this. Now, this is strong. Be ye angry. Get mad if you must. And sin not. Boy, that's a fine line, isn't it? Haul off and kick something and break a foot. Break a toe, you know. Sling something and tear something else up. Well, be angry and sin not. And then he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get it settled before the sun sets. Don't go to bed mad because, listen, God will see to it. If you're a Christian, God will see to it. You won't get any rest. You're not going to get rest. Go pile up on the couch if you want to. You ain't going to get no rest. If you're a Christian, you know what needs to happen. You need to get it straightened out. So you can comfortably rest. That's the same thing between not only husband and wife, but between people. Friendship. Friendship. A lot of friendships are broken over very simple things because one person won't go to the other. I told you for 10 years, a friendship of mine was broken. Literally, literally for 10 years. Before either one of us would give in and say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then I get, occasionally I'll get a card from him. In that card, he'll say, thank you so much for tolerating me. Thank you for the friendship. Because we straightened it out. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened in that 10 years. God, uh, the devil robbed us of our friendship. He stole it. What does he come for? To steal, kill, and destroy. Well, he stole it. He almost killed it, but he didn't destroy it. God gave us another chance. Now, if we become angry, listen, make sure it is a righteous anger. Can you get that? How you, how you get angry and be righteous at the same time? Well, what you do, you tell the person, look, uh, I'm fixing to chew you out. 
If you'll just stand still, don't swing at me, let me finish, and then you can chew me out, and we'll get this matter settled. You want to go first, or you want me to go first? (laughs) I can't think of the names, but I remember Andy and Mayberry, that husband and wife. Remember that arguing and fuging going on? And they went over there and got everything. Yes, dear. Yes, honey. Yes, dear. Got everything settled. (laughs) Shut the door, walked out, and it cranked right back up again. You know, we don't need to be that. We need to... Uh, 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 righteous anger. Control ourselves so that our anger is for the right reason at the right time. And don't be angry because we've been offended or because our feelings got hurt. Um, Ephesians 4, 6. I don't think I gave you that, Cassie, but the Bible just simply says, be angry, sin not. This it is, I'm sorry. Be angry. Sin not. I think about Jesus. What did he do? Come on, what did he do when he got angry? Where was he? Okay, what was going on? Money changers. What did he do? He beat them, didn't he? He run them out. He kicked and turned over tables. He was mad. He was angry. But he didn't sin because the Bible said he didn't, right? He didn't sin. Fine line. Now, I've rode enough mules and enough horses to know that a good tame mule or a good tame horse can show out. (laughs) Right, Brian? They can show out. We were on a camping trip. I mean, I was enjoying riding my mule. I was having a good time. We were up near the Chattooga River. And we were on our way down to the Chattooga River. Nice trail, probably five or six feet wide, just having a good time. Cruising along there, there was about four horses in the front and six or eight behind. I was the only one with a mule. We're going along there, and as we rounded a corner, some um, um, rafters were coming out. Well, about the time they got to me in Dutch, it was time for them to readjust the weight. They threw the thing up in there, and Lord have mercy, I thought, as I am, I going to be able to hang on. I mean, he went every way but down. Finally, he settled down. I thought, man, I mean, I like to have lost it. I thought he was going to lose it. But power under control. Mark this down. If we are meek and we want to use God's power and keep things under control in our life, be careful because the devil is not happy. He'll shift the weight on you. He'll shift something so that things don't go like you intended for them to go. So as, as we think about power under control, um, what it is, uh, it's the opposite of vengeance. What is meekness? Gentleness, power under control. It's the opposite of vengeance. A meek person has to die to self. Um, he should never worry because worry is a sin. Bible says worry, it's not, it's, it is not right for a person to worry um, about how he might be injured, okay? And we should bear no grudges. Get it settled. That's what he's saying, get it settled. Because grudges can separate. Hey, that's why church splits happen. Can't agree, can't get along, we'll go down the street and start our own church. 
You know, we got so many of them now, we can't, we can't fill up none of them. People get mad and they move over here, move over there. Well, let's go to another uh, illustration here. Uh, Jesus never defined himself um, or defended himself, but he did defend God, his Father. And that we should do. You know, we, I can't defend me, but I can defend the Lord Jesus. I can defend his word. His word speaks for itself. It's not an arguing point. It is a, 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 a book that's been designed for us to go by. Secondly, uh, not only what is meekness, but secondly, how does meekness make itself visible? How does it manifest itself? Well, I think of Abraham and Lot. You remember Abraham and Lot? It was time to separate. Their herdsmen were arguing back and forth. Who's going to graze over here and who's going to graze over there? And Abraham took the lead here, and he simply says, okay, Lot, let's do it this way. I don't want our herdsmen arguing. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get killed. So I'm going to give you the choice. You pick the land you want and the direction you want, and you can have it. Take your herdsmen, all your cattle, all your family, and you go the way you choose. And whatever's left, he said, that's what I'll take. All right? Um, making meekness manifest. Another situation I think about is Joseph and his brothers. Just a young lad. They sold him. Well, he didn't go after them later. When they came to him, bottom line, without going through all the stuff that took place, he took care of them. He loved his brothers, even though they sold him. The boy was raised without his mama and daddy in a strange land, but God knew it. It wasn't Joseph's fault he was sold. Hey, he was captive. He was taken down there, captive, and uh, God watched over him. I think of Moses in the Ten Commandments. God did not have to give him the Ten Commandments a second time. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, now, Moses, son, I gave these things to you in good faith, and, and you lost control, and you, you tore them up. So far now, sir, you put them back together. You remember? Jesus said, if you break one, you've broken all of them. And when Moses threw it down, he didn't break one. He broke all of them. But God gave him another chance, carried him back up on the mountain, and gave it to him again. What is meekness? How does meekness make itself visible? Thirdly, what are the results of, of meekness? Well, the res- one of the results is this, is blessings from God. He's promised to do that for us. Um, if we're meek, according to the scripture here, what it says, we're going to be a happy Christian on the spiritual side. Okay, as again, I said a lot of things that come into our life do, do not make us happy. But on the inside, spiritually, we ought to be happy. Um, Christ wasn't talking about the world's happiness here and the circumstances that people find themselves in, but he was talking about a uh, true abiding J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourself last, if you want to be a meek type person. So not only blessings from God, um, but another result is boldness for God. I don't know where Paul was when he shared Galatians 2.20. But he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live with, his, with my expectation of him coming to bless me. And because he is, I can be. I am. That's my own end of translation of Galatians 2.20. All right. 
Let's look at another uh, area. Uh, we're talking about meekness. Um, why is meekness necessary? Well, to the lost world, they could care less. I'm satisfied if you want to try this tomorrow. If you know a lost person, say, hey, how's your meekness coming? What? Meekness? You mean our meekness? No, I ain't talking about meekness. I'm talking about meekness. And then you can explain to them. Now, the devil will tell you, no, you can't do that because you're not meek yourself. You can't pay him any attention. If we're striving to be what God wants us to do, and we talked about in the beginning before we started this, in the Old Testament we have the Ten Commandments, which are tough. But in the New Testament we have the Beatitudes, which are tougher. So what is, why is meekness necessary? It's necessary for the receiving of God's Word in the way God intended for it to be received. James chapter 1, uh, verse 21 says, Receive with Receiving God's word says, receiving with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to do what? Save our souls. And I'm talking save forever. Now, if we don't have a humble spirit, we're not going to receive God's word uh, the way God intended uh, for it to be received. Um, It's necessary also, if we're going to be an effect, Effective witness. Okay? Here again, some people say, oh, well, I don't know what to say. All you got to say is what God did for you when you got saved and what he's doing for you now. You don't have to go into all the past unless you're in a situation where maybe that person is where you used to be. And then you help them get from where they are to where you are as far as salvation. So, hey, I know how you feel. I used to do the same thing you're doing. And this is what Jesus did for me. And this is what I'm trying to do for him now. I had a young man say one time, he said, you know, I'll never be out of debt with God. He said, but one thing I can do, I can pay on it by the way that I live. Be an effective witness. 1 Peter 3.15 says, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you the reason for the hope that is in you. And this is what it said, with meekness and fear. Last of all, how can I know if I'm a meek person or not? First of all, do I, do I experience self-control? Am I always in control of my actions? Okay? Sometimes we say something we maybe shouldn't have said. Or we do an act that we shouldn't have done. Well, when do you straighten that out? Immediately. Right then and there. Get it fixed. Get it straightened out. Do we get angry? Only when God is being dishonored. I knew we'll forget this. I was blown away. This young boy was a laborer on our job. And uh, it was a hard job. I mean, it was like eight foot in the ground, us bringing 12-inch block out of the ground. Block was having to be handed down. You're standing on what you laid. There was no room. And the superintendent was standing there watching. And he let out a, a big GD. I mean, for some reason or another. This labor boy was standing up there. He turned around. He said, sir, I'm a Christian. And I don't appreciate you talking about my father that way. And that man said, oh, I'm sorry. 
I thought, gosh, how bold. I don't appreciate you talking about my father like that. What would we do? <laughs> I'm not sure. We may not say anything. But that's what he's saying. Do I experience self-control? Secondly, do I, do I respond humbly and obediently to God's word? God's word says, go ye therefore, teach and preach and baptize. What do you say? Witness. Tell somebody about Jesus. Oh, I just can't do that. Give them a flyer then. Give them a track. Oh, and by the way, I'm sorry I forgot. I've got another hundred coins. They're here. I'll have them ready for you next Sunday morning. So, hey, that's one of the best witnessing tools. If I'm not wrong, that's about 500. I think that passed through this church when this box is gone. It's amazing. Uh, you know, yeah, we buy them, we pay for them, we hope that the money comes back in, but if it don't, it's okay. It's, it's one of the greatest witnessing tools I have ever had in my hand to take that thing out and hold it with Jesus looking at them and hand it. Just hold my hand up, put it out there, and that little track says, reaching for Jesus. They'll reach and get it. I haven't found one yet that didn't reach and pick it up. Wow. And I say, it's the last one I give away. The man said, wow. And he turned it over and back. He said, wow. I said, that's the Lord's Supper. He said, I know. I said, look up under the table there. And he looked. I said, you see the big hand reaching out to the little hand? He said, he done it all, didn't he? He done it all. Open the door wide open. I started to leave. I had prayer with him. He said, listen to me. He said, next time you come to my house, don't you knock on my door. He said, you come on in. Trust. Hey, it's a great tool. Thirdly, do I make peace? Do I make peace? Um, I don't look forward to it, trying to help two people come together because there's got to be somebody who's going to give in. There's got to be somebody who has to say, I'm sorry. There has to be somebody who says, I forgive you. And it's a tough spot to be in, to, to be between two people. I had to meet with two brothers one night. I didn't have no clue. I don't know which one now, I don't remember, but one of them had a gun in his pocket that night. He had come. His plan was to do away with his brother. I had no idea. I was just called to meet him. They talked, they discussed. Far as I know, they made peace. But that wasn't the best situation to, to be in. But it was. Do I make peace? I need to give it my best shot. I need to do all I can. Another one. Fourthly, do I receive criticism well? Well, I'll just tell you the truth. Sometimes I don't. How about you? Criticism. You remember the seven churches? Well, Jesus said, I've looked at this and I've looked at that. Man, you're doing a good job. But, but, there's one thing lacking here. And at one church, he said, you've left your first love. You've left it. Well, it may have hurt the feelings, but truth is the truth, right? Truth is the truth. Another thing, I can know if I'm meek. Do I give instructions 
with meekness, humbleness. Say, I appreciate what a good job you're doing, but I, I want you to try. Would you, would you be willing to try this? It's all in how you approach a person. Sometimes I, and maybe you, we don't approach it right. And so we stir up something instead of fixing it. Uh, a last thing there. Do I receive instructions with meekness? Do I? Do you? Here's what I'd love to see happen. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I expect you to do. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. I'll give it my best shot. Meekness is not weakness, okay? Had it been, Moses would have never made it. Jesus, even though he was God's son, would have never made it. For both Moses and Jesus were meek men. Meekness is compared, as I said earlier, to a horse that's been broken versus one that has not been broken. Power under control. Well, there was a, the rest of that verse brought me more into thinking. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm thinking, what does that mean? Now, real briefly, I want to give it to you, and then we'll quit. Psalm 24, 1. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's. We all agree there, right? The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That includes us. Genesis 3, 17. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and dust unto dust thou shalt return. Now, shall inherit the earth. All right, that was, uh, the Lord questioned Adam uh, and Eve and the devil. And because of their sin, cursed is the ground. Hey, all these briars we have today and cuckaburs and we call it tom bells and bermuda grass. You know, all this stuff is result of, of their disobedience to God. He said, cursed is the ground in which you walk upon. Now, where does that leave us? All right, we're talking from Old Testament now up to New Testament, all right? And he simply says, blessed are the meek, those who humble themselves before me, those who depend on me, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, we as Christians, we enjoy the fullness of the earth. Um, all right, for instance, today, I enjoyed the sunshine. And it was so beautiful, so warm. Uh, it warms us, it gives us light. I enjoy a full moonlit night. I love to see the moon. I love to see the stars. I love a good cool drink of water. 
I love trees. I love birds. I love animals. I love flowers and seeds. It's amazing. It is amazing. I hold in my hand little seeds. And if I put them in the ground and give it a few days of moisture and heat, first thing you know, there's little shoots coming up. I did not design that. I didn't invent that. I didn't even cause it to happen. But within that little seed is everything that's supposed to, if everything works right, will produce a plant. And a plant will produce the fruit. Okay, what does that say to us? If we're the seed of Abraham, we're, we're God's children, we're the seed. And if we allow God to plant us wherever he wants to plant us in this world, we will sprout and fruit will come along. Now, you know, you, you might say, well, that's, that's hogwash. That's crazy. I wanted to know what it meant when he said, shall inherit the earth. Now, what does the Bible say? One of these days, God is going to create a brand new earth. And the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, he gave, he gave Adam responsibility. He said, son, here, here's the garden. Everything you are ever going to need is right here. And I want you to till the ground. I want you to keep it nice. Keep the grass cut. Keep the trees pruned. But now that tree down yonder in the middle... Best thing you can do is leave it alone. I'll handle that tree. You just don't, hey, you can pass by there. But don't, don't even think about that tree because it's not going to do you any good. So what good came out of it? Nothing. Eve fell for the trick. Adam fell for the trick. And the devil fell because it was no good. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God's got it all laid out. All we have to do is walk in his footsteps. Because he's supposed to be doing the leading, right? But again, I'll admit, we don't always do it. You know what? We, the devil says, you know, I believe you got a better idea. Why don't you try your idea first? Oh! And then we fall on our face and wonder why? God says, take an extra pair of shoes. Oh, what I got on is fine. About mid-morning, you wish you had another pair of shoes. There's a sermon coming. I don't know when it'll be called Little Things. Little Things. And the devil uses those little things. Father, thank you for the evening. Thank you for the time together around your word. And God, I just thank you and praise you for the thoughts, for the ideas that you put into our mind. God, we, we love you. and We know that you love us. Thank you for those who've chosen to come this way tonight. Lord, bless them. Give them a good night's rest. Bless them in their work tomorrow, whatever they're doing. Just honor their, uh, their efforts to be faithful to your house today. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar.